Amen, amen. You guys going to have a seat. Hey, good morning. Uh, man, it's so great to see you. Uh, go, if you got a Bible, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be here in just a minute. Um, thank you guys, worship team. Uh, thank you for that, uh, for leading us. Hey, every two years, uh, Lifeway Christian Resources does a uh, conducts a survey across the country, and um, uh, they 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 poll not only just Americans, but they also, as part of that poll, the thousands of people that they conduct the survey with. Uh, a lot of those are actually uh, Christians, American Christians, and so every two years they do this, and they put these statements before the people, and the people can either say they disagree with that statement or they agree with it, and then the kind of three gradients between there, a not sure being in the middle, and then kind of like a thing on either side. Um, and so that just was released this year, 2022. Um, and what it does is they, they put before, these are, these are statements about faith, statements about what we believe. Um, and so every time they do that, uh, there's another company, uh, another organization that actually compiles that and puts it over the previous years that they've conducted that survey. And they put it on a website called the State of Theology. And part of that is they kind of try to surmise all the what, what, they're, what they get from the data. Like, what is this data showing us? And so uh, I was just perusing, I don't know, something one day, and it popped up. I'd never seen it before. And I was absolutely blown away, guys, um, by what I saw. But before we even get into that, I wanted to find a couple terms for you because it's going to be important as we go forward in the next couple weeks. Uh, for one, uh, the word theology. You heard Patrick pray that. You're going to see it on the screen, I think, uh, at some point uh, during the message today. This word theology, it by its definition, means what we believe about God, the study of God. But for us as Christians, because we believe in God, our theology also includes all the other branches of things that we believe. Everything we believe about the church, we believe about humanity, we believe about the world, about sin, about all of that fits into this term theology. Okay, that's what the word, it's a fancy sounding word, but it doesn't, it's not that hard to understand. The other word that we're going to talk about somewhere in the next three weeks is the word doctrine. Okay, so the word doctrine is simply a term that means teaching. Um, but it also, for us, defines specific theology. So if theology is the book that contains everything we believe, doctrine are the individual pages of that theology. So the doctrine of God, what we believe specifically about God, the doctrine of uh, the church, the doctrine of uh, sin. like uh, That's all of these things. And so that's the two words. I wanted you to make sure you knew those words. Um, but when I looked at this study... What I, what I was blown away by was that there are some very basic truths that I would have assumed all Christians understood, even as a pastor. There are certain things that I believe all Christians would have understood, um, but the study shows different. Uh, the study that they did, I mean, there are certain things, we're going to look at one today, where uh, 50% of, of, of professing Christians are believing something that goes completely against what the Word of God says. And so when I, when I started to think, when I was looking over the results and, and was just kind of having a moment with God, I mean, I didn't cry, but I wanted to because of just where we are uh, in America and the church. And I was reminded of the visual of a ship for whatever reason, a ship that's just slowly drifting off course. Um, and that's why we're calling this these next three weeks, we're going to call it drifting, a slow change in what we believe. Because that's what I believe we're seeing in the American church today is a ship that is getting off course. 
somewhat drastically. And so when I started thinking about the visual of a ship, I thought about this passage, Ephesians 4, verses 14 through 16. I'm going to read these two uh, on behalf of all of us. I'm going to read them out loud, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll come back and talk some more about this idea. But let me read these. Uh, The Word of the Lord says this, Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning and with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Let me pray to the Lord again. Father God, we thank you for your word, God, that we've just read. And God, for all the other verses we're going to reference and read before this before this uh, day is over. Um, God, we thank you for the truth that, that lies within this book. And God, we pray that you'd open our eyes to that truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so when we look at this, right from the very beginning, verse 14, this is why the verse popped in my mind. When I started thinking about a ship that's drifting off course, this is what Paul says. We'll no longer be little children, right? Tossed by the waves, blown around by the wind. Paul's creating in the, in the hearts and minds of the readers that read this 2,000 years ago. They would have been very familiar with ships, right? Because it was the only form of transportation if you wasn't walking. Uh, this was it. And so for them, they knew about ships. They seen, they, this was a, a common idea for them. And for my, when I started thinking about a ship being tossed, what movie do you think of? Okay, Titanic. Ah, I didn't think of that one. Okay. What's another movie? The Perfect Storm. Thanks, Matthew. Oh, okay. I'm not the only one. So here, I just, I'm going to step away for a moment to tell you a beef I have with that movie, okay? So it starts off by telling you that it's, what, based on what? A true story. And then the whole movie is what happens on this ship with these people, the drama of what it looks like to be on a ship that's going down. And there's so much, all this stuff happens. Certain people start dying. I think a shark eats somebody. Like, it's a weird story. And then at the end, you're thinking there's a guy, there's like one guy left and there's a big wave coming. And you think, he's the one that tells the story. And then it shows a funeral and they're all dead. And then you realize in that moment, and it's based on true story because a boat went down in a storm. But you don't know if anything that happened on the boat actually happened. Does that frustrate anybody else? Just me. Okay. Uh, anyway, I haven't, wa- I haven't rewatched the movie because of that. But we, that's what Paul, Paul's presenting, this, this ship being tossed by high winds and waves. You may have seen documentaries about this. One of my favorite documentaries uh, about, uh, about shipwrecks is Gilligan's Island. You guys seen that? Uh, it's an incredible, based on true stories as well, I think. Um, but, but Gilligan, what, what we know about Gilligan, what happened? They were on a tour. Right? They had destinations in mind. It was supposed to be a three-hour tour. That's correct. And a storm blows up and changed the direction of the ship and the location of the ship. That's super important for you to understand. That's what that's what's going on. That's why Paul is saying that if we are the ship, that there are winds and there are waves. And this is point number one. If you're a note taker, I know you're out there. Beware the winds. Beware the winds because they will take you to a place that you never intended to go. 
It's Ephesians 4.14. He says, We'll no longer be little children, tossed by the waves, blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. So here, we're not talking about hurricanes. We're not talking about straight line winds. What are the winds that Paul says are going to get us off track? He says, two, I'm going I'm to do in two things. The first thing is false beliefs. That's what he says. Tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. False beliefs. These are wrong messages and then ideas that are p- preached by ignorance. And I don't mean ignorant like, like a finger pointing at someone. What does ignorant mean? It just means unknowing. Like it can also, so I believe that there are pulpits and there are people who are going to talk to you and you're going to find their YouTube videos on Facebook. You probably won't find their YouTube videos on Facebook. You'll find those on YouTube. You'll find their videos on Facebook and YouTube. You can find preachers that I don't believe that they're standing behind pulpits. They're standing in classrooms and they're preaching things that are not true, that do not line up with the word of God, but I don't believe they're doing it intentionally. I believe they are just, they're not studying well. In fact, this guy was one. When I started off in ministry, I was 21 years old. And there were things that I look back that I taught early in my ministry. And I'm like, God, just supernaturally, just remove any of the dumb things I said early on in my ministry. Because it's, it's, it's when, we, when, we come to wrong, when we come to wrong conclusions, when we read God's Word, it's a dangerous thing. You need, you need evidence of it? You know, and not just 2,000 years ago, yes, there's tons of evidence there, but y'all, y'all know this, right? That American people use the Word of God to justify enslaving people. Y'all know that, right? Like, and they pointed to the Bible and said, see, God's good with it. It's actually what God tells us to do. For the lo- No, it wasn't. Now, whether they were, whether this was just a wrong interpretation, whether it was ignorance or whether it was something more, whatever. But what we know is that it is easy to be led astray by false beliefs. Sometimes somebody at your work says something, you go, well, that's neat. I've never thought about that before. And it's pulling you away. It's blowing you off the path that God has for you. The other thing he talks about is not just wrong ideas, false beliefs, but he talks about false teachers. There are some people who are not just preaching out of ignorance, they're preaching to deceive. Like they're intentionally preaching things that are going to to, to deceive. And think about in Jesus' day. I mean, not in, in, in Paul's day. He's writing this. When the church starts, there are about 12 men who are qualified to really, really teach and preach the Bible. However, the church grows to thousands and thousands and spreads throughout the world. So what happens is there's a leadership vacuum at the very beginning, and Paul talks about this in his letters, but he, after Paul and these other leaders, would they would, they would bounce from church to church, and they would go in and they would preach, and they would proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. They would connect the Old Testament to the teachings of Christ and show how it's this one beautiful story from beginning to end. And then after Paul would leave, intentionally, there were false teachers who would come in behind him. They would try to lead people astray. They were false teachers. This is why Paul, in most of his letters, references false teachers. Uh, just to give you a couple, 2 Corinthians 11, he, he, he accuses the church at Corinth. He says, uh, he says this, you, people come and preach another Jesus, whom I, we didn't preach to you. And, and, and they talk about you receiving a different spirit, which you would not receive from us. 
And that you're, you're accepting a different gospel, which you had not accepted from us. And he says, you put it up, you put up with it splendidly. You put up with it. You love it. These false teachers are coming in and they're tickling your ears and you're, you're buying in wholeheartedly. And then Paul, just in the, in the Bible, it's a couple pages over. It was a totally different letter that he wrote to the church in Galatia. He says, I'm amazed that you so quickly turn away from whom, who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, he says, or an angel from heaven were to preach a gospel contrary to what's already been preached, let a curse be on him. Like, so what is Paul, Paul saying? Paul is speaking to these two churches and he says it in other places, but man, stop listening to the false teachers. Stop being led astray by false beliefs that are just wrong interpretations by ignorance, but also false teachers who were intentionally trying to deceive you. These are these crisis of faith moments. And if you've never had one, it's come, it may come. For me, it happened when I was 18 years old. I was raised in a good church that taught me the Bible. I was raised by great parents who taught me the Bible. I knew the stories from beginning to end. Talk to me at seven years old, I'll win any Bible drill. I can find any book of the Bible faster than you can, no doubt about it. And then as I got into youth group, I had a great youth pastor that taught me that God's Word wasn't just memorization. It wasn't just stories. It, was, it, was, it spoke to me. And that, that as, a, as a teenager... In Ardmore, Alabama, that like I needed God's word and it needed to affect the way that I lived my life. But nobody along the way ever asked me, why do you believe what you believe? Until I got to UAH, University of Alabama, Huntsville. Now we got a lot of UAH alum. I'm a proud UAH alum. We got a professor of marketing that usually comes to our first service, uh, Miss Jean Brown. Uh, we, we love UAH, and for the most part, there were only two teachers that I ever had issues with in regards to spiritual things. One of those was in my Western Civ class, Western Civilization, and uh, she was not she was not just an atheist. She was not just somebody who didn't believe in God. She was what I call an evangelical atheist. You know what I mean by that? She didn't believe in God, and she wanted to convince the eighteen year old moldable minds. They were paying to come hear her. She wanted to mold their minds to believe what she believed. And she may have won some, but I was just stubborn enough. I didn't know why I believed what I believed, but I knew she was wrong. And so the, by, by God's grace, I survived. <laughs> by God's grace, I survived that class. And when I got to the end, the last paper, I'll never forget. I'd struggled with the class because it was a lot of reading and I don't read well. And I got to the end of the class, made it write a paper. And she gave us a lot of topics and dumb. This is that ignorant word. <laughs> I was ignorant, maybe a little bit brash, uh, 18-year-old kid. So I wrote mine on the Apostle Paul's view of marriage because that's what you want to do, right, to get a good grade. Um, so I did, and, like, I got that paper back, and I, I wish I'd kept it. Been, I didn't know I was going to be, like, I didn't know I'd be preaching, you know, uh, every Sunday or anything. It'd be a cool example to show you, like, the she bled all over that sucker. And I'm talking about like, and no, no, like, hey, this is a misplaced modifier. You forgot a comma here, like, or rearrange this paper to make a better argument. She just disagreed with my premise altogether. And she didn't like the fact that I was using God's word as a source, even though her, you know, the paper told me I could. 
Um, but I'm not bitter. Because um, I got a C in the class, I threw the paper away, and I never looked back, and I was fine, right? I survived that, but I know not everyone does. Listen, this was one of those faith moments. This was being tossed by the waves. My faith was shaken down to its very core. Heath, do you, do, do you believe what, what you've always said you believe? Listen, this is a real danger for believers, especially those who have never asked these questions to themselves. And Paul says, man, there's false beliefs, there's false teachers out there who want to, to, to toss you. This is a real danger, and I believe Paul's saying it is, and I pray, pray to the Lord that, God, that Paul's going to give us the remedy, and he does. And the first thing, just to put in my own words that Paul tells us, is that we need to stay on course. We need to stay on course. To keep the wind from blowing you off course, you have to hold the line. I'll go back to the movie that I hate. Right when the winds pick up, what does the guy do with the big steering wheel? When the winds start picking up, that sucker starts spinning, right? What does he do? He just, and I don't know if that's what, I don't know what you're supposed to do, but that's what they do in the movies. And he tries to lock it in, right? He tries to hold the line. That's what he tries to do. And like, it's going to be difficult because the strong winds are going to come. The strong storms are going to come. But it's still the task of the captain to keep the ship upright. But as I was studying through this, and as I was looking at the data of the survey, what I realized is that it's not just strong storms that are a danger to ships. You see, light winds can oftentimes be just as dangerous to an inexperienced crew. A ship being just one degree off in their heading changes everything. I'm going to show you a one degree change. You ready for this? Did you see it? I moved my eyes one degree, roughly. You didn't see it, except for Jason, because I looked at him. That was my one degree. Listen, uh, so I like math, but I'm not great at it. When you start converting stuff from, anyway, we start converting stuff from feet to miles and all that. So I trusted a website to tell me this. So if it's wrong, you just got to take it up with Google. But one degree makes a huge difference about whether you reach your target or not. If a ship travels 100 yards, if it's one degree off, it would be off by 5.2 feet when it reached its destination. It's not too bad. As I said in the first service, I can almost jump five and five point two feet, so I could I could get where I need to go. After a ship travels a mile with one degree off, it's off by ninety two point two feet. It's a bigger deal. If a ship traveling three hundred and fifty miles, which is not a crazy trip, it would be off six miles. Now let's get to bigger numbers just because it's fun. Let's say you're in a rocket, not a ship, and you're flying to the moon in honor of the rocket last week, or this week, this week. If you, huh? Maybe, that's right. But if you're on a rocket and you're going to the moon and you're off one degree, you would miss the moon by 4,169 miles, which is two times the diameter of the moon. You would miss the moon by two times its own width, diameter. That's crazy. You see this. A small shift in the ship 
makes a big difference. Church, hear me when I say this. The same is true for what you believe. You see, when I started looking at the data, and I'm going to show you one for an example here in a second, so I'm not just alluding to it. Everybody who marks the wrong things in this study, at some point in their lives, in every church, they just got one degree off in some part of their theology. It was just a little thing. It wasn't big. It was something it was, for an individual. It was something that they heard from a friend or something they saw online or a video they watched and went, huh, I never thought about that before. And it got them just one degree off. A misunderstanding of a passage of Scripture that a pastor preached one Sunday. But when it, le- when it gets left unchecked, when one degree turn turns into years and years later and it goes unchecked, what happens? Gilligan's Island happens. You, find, you wind up in a place you never intended to go. A place where the front of your ship, which is called, okay, the bow of the ship was never pointed. A place. I'll show you an example from the study of what I mean. It's going to be up here on the screen. So this is statement number three on the survey. God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but here's what you need to know. Biblically, that's an incorrect answer. That's not true. We need to disagree with that statement because God has defined in His Word that there is one way that we worship Him, and it is through the blood of the person and God, Jesus Christ. And so this doesn't, this, this, this should be, if, and this is even, this is Christian, people who believe that they are, they are born again, like they even answered some statements that showed to the surveyors that they were born again. But 56% of them actually agreed with this statement this year. More, more than half of people. And we're going to talk about this if you're like, I think I agree with that too. Like we're going to, we're going to talk about that. I'm not trying to point fingers. We're going we're gonna to walk through that the next couple of weeks. But, but what's interesting, look, look at this. Do you see a huge shift, except for 2020? Because I don't know what, I guess it was COVID, everybody just hanging out at the house. I don't know what happened. But all the, it's like they need to throw that one out because all of the graphs shifted crazy in 2020, but then went back to kind of this normal. Look at this. In, two, in 2016, I know y'all can't see this, but 48% of people agreed with that in 2016. In 2018, 51% of them agreed with it. In 2022, 56% agreed with that. You see, is that a huge jump? We're not seeing a 20, 30, 40% jump in what people believe. It's not this huge toss of the wind. What is it? It's a one degree shift that happened 20, 30 years ago in American Christianity. And now, because it's been left unchecked, here we sit way away from where we, where we never intended to be. And it will get worse if churches like ours and individuals like us don't train ourselves and raise up the next generation to not just know the right things, but to know why we believe what we believe. And that we create an environment that's okay to ask questions. Ephesians 4.15 How do we stay the course? Paul says, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head, Christ. 
So Paul gives us what, what every good ship captain needs. He gives us a destination and he gives us a route. Right? Um, I've never been on a cruise. Well, I got on one of those dolphin cruises one time and I almost threw up. Y'all going to have it. Um, but like a, every cruise has a destination, correct? And so what is, it, what is the destination? Paul says here for us, let us grow in every way into him who is the head. Who? Christ. This is our destination. At the end of my life, the goal God has for me above all else, above being a good daddy, above being a good American voting citizen, above being above any of all these other things, God desires that I look like Christ. This is the destination for me. It's the destination for my children. It's the destination for this church that we look more Christ-like. This is the destination that lays ahead. But what I know is that you can't just have a good. De- you can't just know the destination. <laughs> How many ways are there to get to Alaska from here? Everybody wants to cruise to Alaska. Well, maybe where do you cruise when you go to Alaska? Where do you start? Anybody ever cruise to Alaska? Washington State, something like that. Even if you started in Washington State, it's not a far. But there's still different paths that you could. There's I could I could get us there. But I'm probably going to take a weird way. You see, it's not just about knowing the destination. A good ship captain has to know the route, and he has to stick to the route. And so for us, we know our destination is Christ's likeness, but God's Word actually shows us the way in which we get there is by grounding ourselves in the truth of His Word. And it's the path. And what happens when we get one degree off, right? And so we got to know the route. And so how do we know the route? So I don't know. I probably got away from you there, but you're good. Know the destination, know the route. See, how do you know the route, though? Because here's what I know. Um, Every decision that I face in life, I don't always find a black and white answer where God says in His Word, Heath, I know what you're facing, I know what's going on. Here's your answer to that question. But in God's Word, I find the truth that drive me. The best way for you to recognize the winds and the waves are to... Drive yourself into the truth. It's just like a federal agents, right, who are all into counterfeit bills, right? How do they train people to notice counterfeit bills? By study the actual thing. They don't go, hey, here's 10 counterfeit bills we've caught lately. Study these. No, they show them the actual $100 bill. They let them hold it. They let them look at it. They look under a microscope. They look, they, they, they study the $100 bill, so that when there is a counterfeit, they they can see it, church. This is the best way I can tell you. Heath, how can I recognize the winds and the waves? How can I recognize when, when I hear false teaching, false preaching, when I encounter a false prophet deal? Like, how can I know? Drive into the Word. Drive into the truth. And then you'll notice it. The best federal agent at acknowledging the counterfeit bill simply knows better than anybody else what an actual one's supposed to look like. The next two weeks, we're going we're gonna to take three to four doctrines that were in most jeopardy according to the study. And we're going to go deep into those, and, and hopefully we can all walk out of here the next two weeks with a better understanding of, of, of why we should believe those things. And what I want you to know is is through that process, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to admit you don't know. A few weeks ago, uh, one of our small groups was meeting, and they had a question. 
And they said, hey, Heath, can you come to our small group? Because they were in, in one of the buildings. I said, yeah, I'll be there in a second. And I got in there and they, they, they laid out before me the problem. And I know what they wanted. They wanted a pastor to tell them, here's the answer. You know what I told them? I don't know. And then there was that much of an awkward silence. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's okay to admit we don't know because we're all growing here. And it led to a really cool conversation about what could be the right answer. You see, that's what we're going to be doing the next two, to th- uh, three to f- or t- next two weeks, looking at these three to four doctrine. But here's what I'll say. Don't wait on me and don't wait on your small group leader to firm up your beliefs. We're going to do our best to do that. But the things that you're weak in right now may not be something we talk about for a while. The thing you have the most questions about may not be something that we touch on from this pulpit for two years. Don't wait on us. Study on your own. Look into the things you're interested in. Look into the things that you don't know about. Study, church. Paul gives some more advice for us to stay on on course here. And it's this. He reminds his readers that that no ship, nobody's on the ship alone. So point number three is this. Remember the crew. Remember the crew. Look at Ephesians 4.16 with me. From Christ, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Yeah, if you read through Paul's letters, this is one of the most used images the body of christ like it's used over and over and over again but it's interesting here because usually we think of the body we 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 talk about the body especially at church when we're talking about using your gifts and and serving in the church or giving we talk about that we need one another for that but that's not what paul's talking about here paul's talking about what we believe and and not allowing false teachers to drive us off and so it seemed to me, even as I was studying it, I almost just did 14 and 15 because I couldn't make sense of it. But then God helped me see. Because I asked the question, in what ways is it important to have a body of believers to help us be strong in what we believe? Now, it's definitely about having theologically accurate teachers and preachers who are investing in you. Every Sunday, I do my dead level best with the help of the Spirit to stand before you, not ignorant of the Scriptures I'm proclaiming, but knowledgeable. Now ask me about another verse. I don't know about that yet. But like I'm, I've tried before, before I stand before you guys and open up the Word of God, I try to, to be confident and theologically accurate. And our, our small group leaders, we're, we're, we're always trying to invest in them and help them grow in their understanding. But it's also about having people around you that you are studying with. And when you read something that challenges or changes what you believe, run it by people in your church family. This happened uh, just last week. And I know I'm the pastor because some people people call me, but he could have called somebody else. We had a guy that encountered a guy on a public place. And he presented to him an idea that this guy had never heard preached before. And it led to him losing sleep. It led, it just rattled him. Is this true that I've never realized before? And he came to me and he said, here's what I heard. 
tell me if this, tell me what. So we just dove into the scriptures and we started looking and we found evidence from God's word that no, absolutely not. That's not true. And he slept good that night. (laughs) You see, this is what we're supposed to do. When you read something that challenges, run it by somebody in your church family. They can only give you three answers. They either go, yeah, that's, that's what the Bible says. Glad God brought you there. You know what I mean? Or they say, hmm, I don't know. Let's study it together and try to find the answer. Or they go, no, 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 no. That's nowhere close to the right thing. And then they point you back to the text. You see, studying God's word by yourself is good and we all need to do it. But we have to check what we are reading by our small group or by the people in our church who we trust. Because if we've got to stay on course, if we're going to stay on course, our crew will help us with that. Because who needed to slap the guy in the head who was watching? I didn't tell you all that story. <gasps> Let me do that right quick. Y'all, sometimes it's hard preaching two services. You forget what you tell people. Listen to this story. This is a cargo ship called the Priscilla. Um, this is back a few years ago. This guy, uh, uh, a cargo vessel which ran aground on rocks, drifted off course while the watchman, the guy who was supposed to be steering the ship, viewed music videos on his mobile phone. Literally. He sat in, a, he, he got up at 2 a.m., which was his watch. He took over, he turned off the track steering and switched the vessel's uh, autopilot on, which that's a smooth move. And then he sat down in a chair and watched. I'm going to add this to the story, like Lady Gaga music videos. For some reason, I figure that's what he was watching. I don't know. But they were being streamed to his mobile phone. He may have even fallen asleep. He wasn't sure. When the officer of the watch realized at around 4 a.m. that the vessel was off course, he decided to steer the ship between two small islands. So he, he Two hours go by. He realizes now he's off course. He tries to steer between two islands, but relied only on radar data, not going to the navigational information that showed there was a shallow reef between them. And he ran aground and probably lost his job. <laughs> you see, what did that man need in the moment? Like, yeah, he was doing something stupid. But he needed somebody from the crew to wake up and go, Hey, bud, we're off course. And I'm going to tell you, that's one of the hardest things to do for those that we love. It's easy to point your finger at these TV preachers that you disagree with and go, That dude's a heretic. He don't know what he's preaching. He's crazy. But to talk to someone that you know and love, when you see them one degree off, to go to them and, and, and course correct is hard. But this is what the crew does. This is, this is why God has given us one another. It's why he's given us the local church. We even see the apostles do this. The guys who walk closest with Jesus. If you read the beginning of the book of Acts, as it goes on, what happens is the movement of Christianity is among these Jewish people. And the apostles are like, yes, God's people being restored through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then God's spirit begins, begins to move against among these Gentiles, these people that weren't Jews. And the apostles are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. And so they actually convene. They all, they, they all get together in Jerusalem to study the word of God. And, and they ask themselves the hard questions. And what they do is they walk away from that day realizing that God's heart is not just for Israel, but it is for the nations. You see, this is what happens when we study God's word together. It's going to provide a guard against false beliefs. 
And man, it's why groups are so important here. It's why, it's why we believe in church membership here. Submitting yourself and your family to be with and accountable to this church. Living and learning together, I think, is the, the, the overarching theme that we see in Scripture. A church that's functioning properly in this way is going to have people working together to learn about theology, not just so that they can puff themselves up and impress people, but because they need to put it into practice. What you believe will find its way out in what you do. Most people are instead discontent to breeze in and out of church without seeking the deeper relationships of the body that you need. And without that crew, you're susceptible, more susceptible, to get off course. We need the Word of God as our truth, and we need one another. So I'm going to wrap up today's study by asking you some hard questions. First one, let's go back to Western Civ. Not for what went on in the class, but I want you to be your own professor right now. Grade yourself. Grade yourself in knowing why you believe what you believe. If you were to take all the things that Christianity involves, how would you grade yourself? Would you get an A, B, C, D, E, just for fun? That's not a grade. Or an F. Here's what I know. If it's not an A++++++, which I think we can all agree it's probably not for us, then we need to grow. We need to set some goals for this coming year. We need to do some research. I'm an assistant basketball coach for a 6U and 8U eight, and eight boys and girls team. You know what I know? Basketball. You know what I don't know? How to teach it to a 6-year-old. I would be better off going to Duke and being an assistant basketball coach there. Like, I would literally do better there than with these six-year-olds because I, I don't... I know what it's supposed to look like, but I have no idea how to get you to do it. I don't know. You know what? I, so I realized that the first practice. I'm over my head. So you know what I did? I got online. And I started talking to other coaches. I sent Jared a text. I sent other coaches text messages because what I wanted to know was what are the things I need to be conveying to these kids. And I watched video after video and I did research. All, you know why? Because I knew I was weak in an area and it was worth getting better. And church, if it mattered enough to me, and I know to some of you because you've done the same thing about something, if it matters enough to care about being a good assistant coach, good, not it cares about being a faithful follower of Jesus who knows the Word of God and is set on a course that ends at Christ-likeness. So let's do the research Let's spend the time that it takes. Patrick asked me back there just now, why do you think Christianity in America has gotten so off course? I said, I'll speak for myself. Laziness, busyness. It's easier to believe what I hear than it is to study the Word of God and know it because God said it. That's what we're doing. It's what we're facing. So how would you grade yourself? Your next step for that may be to to start diving into a particular topic. I've got tons of seminary books that they made me buy. They were expensive. I'd love to share them with you. Just bring them back. <laughs> and second, do you sense that you are drifting? Like when you start asking that question about why you believe what you believe, like would you be willing to say 
you know what? I am drifting. I'm not where I need to be with God, and I believe it's because of because of what I believe. But even a harder question is this. Are there people on your crew that are drifting? Maybe you need the wake-up call, but maybe one of your best friends does. Maybe your spouse does. Maybe your parents do. Your children do. That's a hard question to start wrestling with. But we have to be willing to help one another. We have, each have the responsibility to watch out for one another. And it starts with honest yet difficult conversations. If you need more accountability for your life or your beliefs, joining this church may be a great start. We'd love to show you what that process looks like. It's nothing crazy. You just have to give us a bank account number, social security number. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do any of that. We just want to let you know why we, why, actually why we believe what we do and how you can get connected here. And we have a process for that. It's really, really cool. I'd love to share that with you. But even more importantly, um, some of you may be drifting aimlessly because you don't know the destination. You've not yet trusted in Jesus Christ. Here's what I need you to know. More than I, let's, we'll talk about the path. We'll talk about it. We'll help you with that. We have a whole process for that tool called Foundations where we walk you through what you're supposed to believe. But before we even get there, let's get the destination right. If you've not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, we want to help you do that. I'm going to stand back at the back uh, during this last song. Patrick and his team are going to sing another song. And again, it's not, it's not to just for you to sing or to stand there and sway. This last song is intentionally built for you to wrestle with what we just talked about, to think about what we just said. And what God's Word just said. And I'll be back there at the back if you need to talk to me about anything. Um, but they're going to lead us in this really cool song called Jira, which like, just means provider. Uh, it's an Old Testament term for God to refer to Him as, as our provider. And so I'm going to say a prayer, and I'll be at the back if you need me, but we're going to stand and sing after I pray. God, I thank you uh, for your Word, God, that, um, God, that's changed my life. Um, God, for 28 years now, I've been following Jesus, and it began with your word, uh, the truths of it. And God, I'm, I'm continuing to grow over the last 28 years. God, I, I d- define the, the destination. I know that now, and, and now I've just been growing in my understanding of the root. And God, I pray that, um, God, that American church is going to do what it's going to do, God, and we can't fix all that, but God, we can fix this place, and God, we can fix ourselves, and we can do this together, God, that Lindsay Lane East, for the years to come, can be a place in which people can come and hear sound teaching, and can be challenged to grow in what they believe, because what they believe will eventually become what they do. And God, may this place be recognized as that. God, more than anything else, may we be a place that's founded and rooted on the Word of God. God, I know that starts with me, and God, I need to be in your word more, God. Our leaders need to be in your word more, God. We all need to be pursuing you more, so God, help us do that. And God, may over the next few minutes as we sing this song about how you are our provider, and even in the storms, God, we can, you provide for us, God, I pray that you would just cause us to wrestle with these truths. God, we would leave this place with the next steps ready to go, to begin to research and grow and love you more. God, we thank you. Be glorified today. In Jesus' name, amen.